Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sherlock's VIP club. From restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sherlock's partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit sheerluxvip.com. Welcome to the Sherlock's Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Astrid Carter, Rebecca Hull, and a very special guest, Emily Dean. Emily is a TV producer and journalist and former deputy editor of InStyle magazine. She co-hosts Frank Skinner's Absolute Radio Show, hosts a podcast for The Times called Walking the Dog, and has also written for The Sunday Times, The Evening Standard, and Glamour magazine. Her new book, Everybody Dies So I Got a Dog, came out just last week but has already been met with critical acclaim. Welcome, Emily. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, we're so happy to have you. We're going to talk a bit about the book later. But first up, I just want to ask how everyone's weekend's were. Good, thank you. I went to Flatiron on Friday night. This is by no means sponsored or gifted or anything like that. I just literally love Flatiron. I think it's one of the best affordable places to go for dinner in London. Mm -hmm. It's like the standard is constantly high. The staff are super nice. I think they must all be like out of work actors or something because they're all like super, super jolly. Yeah, love a bit of Flatiron. Uh, For people who don't know what Flatiron is. I don't. So it started as a pop-up, I think. Well, there was just one for quite a while. It's a restaurant and the premise is cheap, good steak. So you get a steak and a salad for £11 but it's that really delicious so that is so, so cheap and then good. so specific yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. I, think, I think it started off as like 9 or something because my boyfriend was outraged she was like oh, they put the prices up <laughs> I was like it's £11 pounds very cheap but it's really good quality it sounds really disgusting when you say getting a steak for £11 but, yeah, but it's um, good isn't it it's really really good do they have franchises throughout London they've probably got about 4 or 5 I restaurants so, now yeah. yeah but yeah that's what I did on Friday night great Becky so I went to see at the theatre House on Cold Hill, which is from a Peter James novel. So it was a thriller and it was a bit tongue in cheek, but it was quite good fun, actually. I haven't been to the theatre in so long and I forget how nice it is to go in Brighton, especially because the theatres are small. It's quite cosy, but it was a thriller and it's about a ghost who invades the house. And you kind of know what's going to happen at the end. But everybody that's moved to this house has died on their 40th birthday. But it is brilliant and it was just a bit of fun. It wasn't really sinister it wasn't like people stalking you in the crowd but it was just a nice fun thing to do no like women in white screen no hair. woman in white because <laughs> I have seen the woman in black on theatre and when I saw that you had like breathing in your ear and oh, stuff there was nothing that's like terrifying that. yeah, and the, there was a thing in case there are still productions of it going on I think it is have you guys all seen it no I can't no, I, 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 I can't anyway, <laughs> there's something that happens isn't there yeah it is scary I've never recovered from yeah. it <laughs> no and I think that's what I was worried about at the weekend but this was just a bit of fun do you know, is it on for a little while longer? I think it's on until the end of April. So Great. it's on for a little longer if you're in Brighton. Emily, what about you? Have you been watching anything good recently or seen anything good? Well, yeah. I'm afraid it was football that I watched that was good. Oh. Because weirdly, I am a massive football fan. And I say weirdly just because I suppose it shouldn't be this way. But it is unusual for someone who spends as much on moisturiser as me <laughs> to also be obsessed by Arsenal, which I am. So, yeah, but I was working, actually, because I've been just doing promotional stuff at the moment. So I do the radio show and then I was doing a show for Sky on Sunday. So I was kind of working. So this is like my day off, basically. <laughs> what today is. <laughs> great. Which is really nice because I get to come in here. But, yeah, I had a very, very chilled out weekend other than the work thing. I wasn't consuming anything other than sort of work-based things, really, which is boring me. But, yeah, there are loads of things I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> I'm planning on, I'm going to the Van Gogh exhibition. Oh, yes, and that. I'm it's very, yeah. 
excited about yeah. that. Yeah, and that's at the Tate. That's yeah. at the Tate. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to think, all oh, right, I'm planning that already. I'm yeah. going to plan the whole thing. So I'm going to have a few months of culture. So, yeah. Nice. Well, speaking of culture, I went to see the Dior exhibition <gasps> yesterday oh, at the V&A. It's everything you want it to be and more. It's for people who saw the Alexander McQueen Savage Beauty exhibition in 2015, yeah. I think yeah. it was. It kind of is in the same vein as that. It's dramatic. There's a lot of showmanship. Like, each room is curated so amazingly, so dramatically. But the dresses are just stunning. Without giving too much away, they divide it by themes. So you kind of get quite a good cross-section of all the different designers, like how the kind of codes have run through the house for years. And then they divide it up by the different designers. And it's just so stunning. And you realise that you kind of align yourself to, like, one designer in particular. So there's been six key designers at Dior since he passed away. He only, like, was around at the house for, like, six years or something like that. Yeah, it was really short. But every single dress I was drawn to was Maria Grazia Turi, who is the current designer. Literally everyone was like, I love that one, and it was always her. Um, So, yeah, there's a bit of something for everybody because each designer has brought something really different to the house. But, as I say, you can really see the aesthetic running throughout the whole thing as well. So if you're into fashion or if you're into art or, you know, it's just an amazing hour-ish spend, I really recommend it. I went to book tickets a couple of weeks ago and it said sold out, big sold out on the homepage. But I think you can probably go and queue or they'll probably do an extended run. You can definitely queue. Even yesterday I went at three o'clock on a Sunday and the queues for people who didn't have tickets really wasn't that long. And also, yeah, I'm sure they'll extend the run and hopefully they'll do what they did with Savage Beauty and do some night sessions as well because they did some like all-nighters for people who didn't get tickets. I did that for the Alexander McQueen exhibition and it was so nice. A girlfriend actually bought a ticket for me and we went and it's just such a nice like different evening now. I did that with the David Bowie I went with a friend and it was just such a lovely thing to do Mm -hmm. with a friend isn't it? Because you think actually you go to the cinema and I always think oh but I want to talk to you. You have to be silent for three hours whereas (laughs) this is just so nice. I don't know I just think it's very lovely sort of friendship affirming thing today as well if that makes sense. Although I've always thought it would be quite a good date. And also the conversation would continue to flow because you could constantly be like oh look at that. Yeah. If you're worried about being awkward on a date has anyone watched anything good on TV recently? I mean, I might be a bit late to the party because you girls are so ahead of the curve. <laughs> But I was obsessed by Dirty John. I've not seen it. I've not seen seen this, no. On Netflix. It's one of those true crime dramas or something, but it was incredible. It's Catherine Ryan, who's a friend of mine, and she said, you've got to watch this Dirty John, Dirty John, you've got to watch it. Had you listened to the podcast? No, do you? Yeah, so I listened to the podcast when it first came out last year, but I haven't watched the series. But for people who are familiar with the podcast, or will for either, it's it's a psycho true story, isn't it? So creepy. It's this creepy man who just invades this woman's life and she meets him online doesn't she yeah and yeah. he's a sort of you know I mean liar doesn't really cover it no. in terms of psychopath yeah, yeah complete psychopath and people have said that compared to the podcast the TV thing is a bit made for TV drama and a bit but I loved it <laughs> you like that too <laughs> yeah, I would love that escapism that's so not all the way I ride for it, it? <laughs> <laughs> not escapism <laughs> oh yes no it is because it's like yeah. oh, my life's not like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's true it makes good about really like. Astrid? This is going to make me sound terribly highbrow, but I was <laughs> browsing Netflix and I was just like, do you know what? I feel like I've exhausted all the things that I want to watch. There's some brilliant things on Netflix, yeah. don't get me wrong, but I feel like there's a lot of rubbish on there as well. So I downloaded the BFI Player app. It's a subscription. You get a two-week free trial, so if it's rubbish, I can cancel it. And then it's 4 99 per month, which is nothing. That's like yeah, way that's, less yeah, that's stupid. than Netflix. And it's got like just a huge back catalogue of amazing independent films British films foreign films literally like there's all the genres that you could ever want so yesterday I started watching Belle de Jour (gasps) has anyone seen that? no but I'd love to see that it's like one of those films it's always been on my list like you've got to watch it it's always referenced by like creatives Mm -hmm. and fashion designers and stuff like that and all the costumes are made by Yves Saint Laurent so yeah it's stunning I mean I think in its time, it was very promiscuous and so shocking. Now it's not so much because, mm-hmm. I mean, sex We've is literally all. everywhere. Yeah. yeah, But definitely worth a watch. And yeah, I'm really pleased I downloaded yeah. that. Cool, that sounds really interesting. Becky? So I didn't watch anything at the weekend, but I have started watching Mother, Father, Son. Ooh, that's the Richard Gere one. <laughs> it's the Richard Gere one. Very graphic sex scene in the first episode. What, with Richard, with Richard Gere? Gere? 
not with Richard Gere, sorry, his son. Okay. And a prostitute. Okay. Just a pre war. Okay, because um, it really took me a little bit. preview, what's that on? <laughs> <laughs> Where do I watch How do I get that? <laughs> it's BBC Two every Wednesday at nine. Okay. First episode's quite slow, but I am going to stick with it because I think really it's focusing on the son because he is completely messed up from his dad's life in politics. Helen McCrory is playing his mother, who is absolutely, I mean, she's actually probably the reason I watched it. I'm not a huge Richard Gere fan. Billy Howe is playing Sam, and it's definitely going to focus on him, and I won't spoil it, but at the end of the episode, something quite traumatic happens, which is the main hook for why I'm going to continue watching it. But he's fantastic. He's basically playing a slight sociopath. But it's really sad. I think it's going to be quite traumatic to watch, yes. But I'm into it. I'm hooked. And Yeah, yeah. you quite like a heavy I like a I love a heavy going drama. <laughs> a bit much on a Wednesday. <laughs> I'm here for it. I have to give a very quick shout out to something else that's heavy but in a slightly different way, which is the new series of Fleabag, which has just come back. Yes. Has everyone I seen have... season one? No, yes. I yes. And I've watched yes. the first episode of season two yes, as well. Yeah, too. right, me too. And by the time this podcast goes out, the second episode of season two will have aired. What, do we know what night it's on, by the it's way? It's on a Monday. Oh, is it? Okay. <gasps> Monday on BBC <laughs> Three. So it's a BBC Three production. So I think you can watch it all on BBC Three. Yeah. After a few weeks or something like that, but then they put it on BBC One each Monday. It's the same with Killing Eve. Do you remember? You oh, can watch yeah. them all on online, but actually, then they got it, them got out it, got it. Okay. weekly. Nice. I have to say, I watched the first episode of Series One, and I couldn't get into it. Oh. But I think I will. I just, you know, when you need time to properly sit down and watch something. Some yes. of those things, I think that can be like people. You know, those people sometimes. No one here because you're, you know, you're <laughs> fabulous at the beginning, and I'm sure the end of the relationship. But you know, those people that you meet, and they're sort of a hard sell initially mm. they're tougher to get to know but actually it's worth it yes yeah, I think you know exactly, what I mean? it's it, exactly that it is different you're right when I first saw it I thought oh this is a bit strange what's going on <laughs> yeah. and then I yeah once you to stick with it you have yeah. to break through yeah, yeah you do just keep going and I Olivia love Olivia Col- oh, oh she's so good no it's so good she's so good I know I was getting her. not sick of Olivia Colman at all because she is like the national treasure <laughs> dare you I know I know but she was everywhere during yeah. the award season and I was like I've seen a lot of Olivia yeah. Colman. But actually, when I watched the first episode of the new series, I was like, yes, she's yeah. back and yeah. never. And also, it just reminds you how talented she is. If you oh, saw yeah. the favourite, yeah. and then you see yeah. it, it's so different. But she so was mastered the art in this show, which we won't give too much away, obviously, if you haven't seen it, but it's the person who gives you those barbed asides, those sort of evil, quiet slams. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a masterclass in passive aggression. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is why I watch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like writing down some tips. <laughs> just on the topic of Phoebe Waller-Bridge has anyone seen her Vogue 73 questions no I will she's so brilliant yeah you have to watch it she's so clever isn't she she's the kind of person you just really want to be friends with Yeah. yeah Last week was International Women's Day, so we shared the advice of nine very inspirational women for other women to mark the occasion. And we had had some great names in this list. We had Samantha Cameron, Trini, Jo Malone. So I want to know, Emily, who is an inspirational woman to you? I have so many inspirational women, and I think just those women that really support you, I would say on my list which is like a nice list. It's the opposite of Arya Stark and Game of Thrones <laughs> list because it's people I love yeah. and don't want to kill. This is lost on these two, yeah. but I understand. Are you not Thronies? Not no, Thronies. So. But I'm with you. You're very nice people, though. <laughs> so my childhood best friend, who's called Jane Goldman, who's a screenwriter, and in fact, Charlotte, mm. if you like Game of Thrones, you'll be interested to know she is writing the new <gasps> Game of Thrones. My brother's working on that. Oh, really? Yeah, funny. He's a production designer for it. Oh, yeah. how funny. Yeah. Yeah. Is she out in Belfast? She's in Belfast, yes. yeah. She's there at the moment. Yeah. Jane's incredible. I mean, she's done, I don't know if you've come across her work as a screenwriter, but she's an incredibly talented person. I've known her since childhood and she's gave me a lot of advice when I was writing, actually. She says a great thing to you, which is, I said, I, this is rubbish. It's awful. It's terrible. I would just ring her every day. And she said, no one likes writing. Everyone likes having written. And the reason I love that advice is what it's saying is just stick at everything. It could be the same. No one likes working out. I was just about to say that. That's how I feel about <laughs> yeah. exercise. Yeah. 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 And there's all sorts of, no one likes confronting people. Everyone likes having confronted someone because you've cleared the air. So I just thought, what a powerful thing. Yeah, and I've, that's really 
stuck in my head actually Catherine Ryan is a friend of mine she's also incredibly inspirational what most of the advice she gives me I'm afraid it's not really repeatable on a <laughs> decent person's podcast but I love what you say about her towards the end of your book about how she's kind of created her own new normal as yeah well. she's a single mom and she's got a daughter I love the way that when I went round to her house, it's kind of this, you know, she has a glitter room, she calls it, (laughs) where she had the walls done in glittery wallpaper. And she had the builder come round and it was so funny. He said, oh, are you sure this is going to be okay? And she said, what do you mean? He said, well, when will the decision maker be home? (gasps) That's awful. I know. So can you know how Catherine deals with that? (laughs) She has a range of sweatshirts printed with decision maker (laughs) written across the top. I love that because it's challenging those things that we haven't challenged. And women of your generation, who I love, because I learn so much from... I make myself sound like I'm 90. (laughs) I do. I learn a lot from your generation of women. And Catherine, you know, she's slightly older than you. I think she's in her early 30s. But yeah, it's important. I just think you view the world differently. And I like that. Doreen Candy said it in her interview with Sile this weekend. And her editor's letter. Yeah, said that it's really important to have younger mentors as well because you can learn a lot from them. You do. Because I sometimes say with my goddaughter, who's honey, Jane's daughter... I'll say, oh, this happened. And she'll say, oh, well, that's not okay. And I'll say, oh, really? Mm. I love these young women. They're very woke. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Becky, who inspires you? I mean, I think, again, my best friends, and I'd be lying if I didn't say my mother, because she is very inspirational, and obviously some of the best quotes have come from her <laughs> in tough times. But I think also one of my best friends, Lucinda, and this sounds really basic, and it is quite a basic piece of advice, but... Because I didn't go to university like all my friends. I took a slightly different path. And when they all went, and when Harry went, who's my boyfriend, it was really hard, really, really hard. And I remember just worrying incessantly about what I was doing, what Harry was doing. And to cut a long story short, my friend Lucinda literally just said to me, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen. And no amount of worry is going to change that. And she bluntly said to me, if Harry's going to cheat on you, he's going to do it. So there's no point freaking out. (laughs) And actually, at the time, I was like, Christ, all right. But looking back... After that, you do completely switch off from it because you realise that there's nothing you can do in life to change the course of time. Mm. So you may as well get on with it and just embrace it. And I know that sounds really basic, but it has rung true to me. And it just taught me that if something's going to happen, it is going to happen. So you may as well just relax. And then also from this piece, I really like Mary Greenwell's quote, which was, be honest to yourself and about yourself and be kind. And with these qualities, you can hopefully remain generous. And I thought that was really nice. I thought that really rung true again. Asteroids. Also on the list and friend of Sherlock's, we could say, is um, Lauren Moan, who started the blog and Instagram account Girl vs. Cancer. And she's on the amazing podcast, You, Me and the Big C. She was on the show and I just love the way she kind of relates to young women and speaks about awful things that happen to everyone. I mean, cancer touches everyone's lives some way or the other, and she's just a massive inspiration. Girl vs. Cancer has some t-shirts yeah. and, and some for products that raise... Yeah, t- exactly. <laughs> um, which raise money for cancer charities, and Rich and I went down when they were doing a big shoot with influencers for their latest campaign a couple of months ago, just before Christmas. There were some great like bloggers and celebrities and people involved, but also there was some... She'd roped in um, a lot of the young people who she'd met through having cancer, who had also really inspirational stories, and we were chatting to one of them who was 23 and diagnosed with breast cancer and she was like look how amazing Lauren is you know, she was like I went into this place and I was the only person who wasn't a mum you know, most people think that you're not affected mm. by breast cancer in particular mm. at such a young age Lauren has been such an amazing inspiration yeah. to so many younger girls who've been touched by it as well so yeah she yeah. is phenomenal yeah she's amazing she was also on first dates loved her on first yeah. she? She yeah. yeah. do you know her yeah. no she's I don't amazing. actually she I really, so I'm cool. definitely gonna yeah. look her up though do. when I saw the yeah. feature on Sherlock yeah. I was like wow she seems very interesting she's amazing Equally inspirational is Deborah James, otherwise known as Bow Babe, who is Lauren's co-host for You Me and the Big C as well, and also a really, really inspirational story. They're both really worth looking up. I feel like mine is going to sound so trivial now <laughs> after this, but the people who inspire me are women who prove that you can be intelligent and smart and respected, but who also care about the way they look. People talk a lot about, you know, representation when you were growing up. When I was growing up, those things didn't exist. You know, I'm certainly not in some 
some like underprivileged position or there's no representation of people like me but there was no one who was apart from maybe the news readers there were people on television or in magazines who were like smart and successful and owning both sides of things like yeah I get my hair blow dried regularly and yeah I'm running this business and so Michelle Obama I always say I think really kind of was one of the first people to break that down and and, and make it seem acceptable to be interested in in both and then people like Claudia Winkleman who I think is amazing and Victoria Cora Mitchell is literally my idol like these women who are just like themselves and so sassy and fabulous and just like smashing life but still like have great hair yeah well it's that interesting thing I really agree with that as well because it's that idea that you look how you look because it's a sort of self-expression thing and it's also okay to take up space because I think we always had this idea that looking pretty or looking attractive was about being looked at and I love that idea that it's like no I want to wear this because yeah, it's my yeah, choice yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly and I have some male friends that it's funny when I do the radio show sometimes I put on makeup before I do the show and Frank Skinner who I do the show with he's like why are you putting makeup on it's a radio show <laughs> And I always say, I hope this proves to you that I wear makeup for myself because I'm certainly not wearing it for you. (laughs) But it really is because I feel ready for the day. Totally. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Particularly if you're in an office as well every day. I'm not trying to impress my colleagues and my (laughs) co-workers as much as I love you guys. You know, that's not what you're doing it for. It's so you feel ready to embrace whatever It's an armour of sorts, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. And actually, I've put Stacey Dooley down. I know she's very (gasps) off the moment, but I really admire her Mm because she's someone that's properly grafted. And I saw an interview she did with Stylist the other day and she said something like, it's not that I'm particularly brilliant. I just work really, really hard. And I was like, that's me. She's so relatable. And she's somebody that really takes pride in how she looks as well. And I think she's absolutely amazing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's talk now about books worth reading. Well, I suppose it's around International <laughs> Women's Day since it's been and gone. But we wrote a list of the 16 books by some amazing women that are really worth reading if you need an injection of, of a bit of feminism. So that included Michelle Obama's autobiography, Bad Feminist by Roxanne Gay. I had Educated as well. Yes, we did. I, well, I want to read that. That's meant no. to be amazing. Educated by Tara Westover and... Oh, Lily Allen's latest I'd one. I'd quite like to right. read that. Yeah. Lily Allen's. Just out I've, of pure interest. Yeah. You read it's, it's, it's incredible. Good. Is it really? It's so honest. Mm. in yeah. a way you can't possibly imagine and I was actually writing my book which has got sort of memoir aspect well it is a memoir and when I read her book I thought oh thank god because you feel embarrassed and you feel you're exposing yourself and then when you read what she has to say you're like wow <laughs> you know it's funny it's a real lesson in how when someone's honest there's no judgment so Lily Allen comes across as just very self-aware I think which is basically what you want to be when you're writing mm. any sort of memoir so yeah read it it's brilliant oh, going to. anyone else got any great recommendations for Re- feminist books I have read both Rebecca and The Bloody Chamber I was quite funny to see The Bloody Chamber on here because I studied that and it is it's like a gothic spin on classic fairy tales and she said that it wasn't designed to bring out all the like horrible side of them but it was instead designed to bring out the concealed stories she being Angela Carter yeah she being Angela Mm -hmm. Carter I mean the the best bit about it is all the female characters are the heroes to a certain degree in the stories but you need quite a strong stomach because some of them are I mean they are a little bit gruesome (laughs) I know she's not gone down that route but it's good so is it a collection of short stories it's a collection of short stories and it opens with the story of the bloody chamber which is about a girl who is coming of age and she gets sort of taken by this master but it has a good ending great and rebecca 
And but Rebecca's really. Do you, I'm halfway through that because it's a heavy going book. Yeah. I got given it not long ago because of my name, <laughs> and I thought I would give it a read. But yeah, yeah I bet you've got going. like 50 copies. You're like, <laughs> another person with that good yeah. <laughs> Great present. But yeah, it's good. I can't say too much on it because I've not got okay. into the crux. But yeah, not too heavy going. Sometimes I, put, I this sounds so that I hate admitting this, but sometimes when I pick up an old book, I'm like, Ooh, it is quite heavy going. But yeah. you can tell it's going to have a big twist. So I feel like okay. I can worth stick sticking with. It. with. I have yeah. read it since university. And when I was at the university in the Victorian time, <laughs> pre-William Rees-Mogg, virtually. But no, I remember reading that book and it, I think it's worth it. It's like Fleabag. You've it's got to like stick Fleabag. with these yeah. determined. You've got so many things to stick with. <laughs> um, Astrid, what about you? It's by no means a feminist book, but just your point, Charlotte, earlier on how being into style and being smart and intelligent are, aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. But Diane von Fassenberg's yeah, autobiography is well worth the read. Mm-hmm. I actually read it quite a few years ago now. It's a bit of a fairy story. It is a bit of a fairy story. She marries into royalty. She talks about the days of Studio 54, which just sounded like completely insane. And she kind of paints a picture of exactly what you think it was like. And obviously she's gone on to create one of the biggest fashion labels of all time so mm-hmm. yeah definitely worth a read I love with that one so it's called The Woman I Wanted to Be mm-hmm. and I love how throughout it she relates it back to it she's like I did this because yeah. that was the woman I wanted to be and I think that's such good advice yeah, like true. particularly for young women to be able to identify like I want to be this type of woman yeah. and um, now I'm going to make my decisions based on that and I think yeah. to be that successful you do have to have that ability to step back mm-hmm. and assess yourself whether it's good or bad yes. yeah that's so true there's a book that's just come out which I have to confess I haven't read I've always it and I'm going to start reading it. The book's called Invisible Women and it's by Caroline Criado Perez. She's a sort of feminist and an activist and she was involved in the campaign to get Jane Austen on the ten pound note. She's the woman who did like the statues and stuff in London as well. Exactly. And what's fascinating about this book, it just looks really interesting because it's all about how the world is designed to suit men. So things like air conditioning in offices, it says that there's a reason you see women with gloves and scarves in mixed offices because all air conditioning is automatically set on a temperature to suit men's bodies. And men don't feel the cold as much as us because they have less fat bastards but um, (laughs) there's that sort of stuff things like where toilets are situated but then there's more sinister things like crash test dummies are based around the male physique which means that it's actually dangerous for women and even things like bulletproof vests are designed around the male torso which is terrifying yeah that's mad so anyway I'm just interested to read that in the times I think it was last week in in one of the magazines they did an interview with her and they broke down a load of those facts from her book just on one big page and it was like you know done in little squares and there were all these facts and it is staggering I can't those are really good examples I can't remember what else they said but all these things that is unconscious bias basically that you don't you have no idea they're just all tailored to suit men and it's really scary that reminds me of Slaying Your Lane which um, is the amazing book by Elizabeth Uvia Beneni and Yomi Adagoki. Diehard fans will know that we had them on the show last year. And their book talks about the bias that black women in the UK face. And they break it down by kind of every category, by education, by the workplace, dating, you know, and health. One of the biggest stats that stood out to me from that was that black women are the most likely demographic in the UK to die for breast cancer. And that's because they don't get diagnosed. And that's because all the NHS propaganda, if you like, around breast cancer only features white women. So, you know leaflets pamphlets a tv advertorial like never do you see black women pictured so therefore they don't get checked yeah. and it's just this vicious cycle and so it's, it, mm. it really reminds me of that because it's all these things yeah. that you don't realize are happening and it's all really unconscious but it's putting women at a disadvantage God. that is so That's fascinating yeah. oh i'm yeah. definitely gonna oh i it. thought of another one as well yeah which is i don't know if you know elizabeth day who's great yeah, yeah. She's a friend amazing. of mine and she's got a book out actually which i'm going to read it's called how to fail and I just love that as a concept. Yeah. Because on board of being told how to be successful sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, no, that is it's true. all right to be bad. She does a great podcast, doesn't she? Of the same name. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and she interviews people about their biggest failures and stuff. And I agree. I think that is yeah. very important. Refreshing. Let's talk about the new sex education curriculum coming to schools. Sex education has come a long way since the awkward instructional videos. This is of our parents' day. I definitely had to sit through some awkward yeah. instructional videos. <laughs> but still, sex education in the UK hasn't been updated since the early 2000s. And a new curriculum is coming into place 
and tends to mirror the world we currently live in. This includes things like better education on mental illness, on drug taking, FGM, Sex pictures, what are they called? Nudes. Dick pics. Dick pics. I, sure. I like sex pictures. Sex pictures. It sounds like something a dad makes it. What is this sex picture I've been sending? Uh, Charlotte's been sending us sex, sex pictures again. again. Yeah. Classic me. Um, so, presumably everybody thinks this is a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I literally remember from sex education being shown a video with the Beach Boys, I Get Around, and it was like literally watching. <laughs> what? Uh, that's what that's it was outrageous. called. Yeah, the theme tune was. Beach Boys I get around and it was following sperm I mean literally that, that is, is what we oh, I thought you were saying it was okay to be promiscuous yeah, yeah. <laughs> well to be honest like a did. woman going from bed to bed <laughs> yeah. no, so it was a theme tune following sperm saying I get around I mean that is what That's it was outrageous. like so now I think this can only be a positive and I also liked in the piece that it said it's going to show classmates how to recognise if their other classmates are struggling behaviourally so I yes. think that can only be a positive. Mm. Emily, do you think it's a good thing? Yeah, I think you're right. I would assume that everyone would think it was a good thing. However, I don't have children. Mm. I forgot to have children. (laughs) So I can understand, I suppose, if people are objecting. And I think, you know, I try and be empathetic and think, where would that come from? Because sometimes it's helpful in the same way that, you know, I didn't personally vote for Brexit. But I sometimes think, well, why did they? And I think in that case, perhaps it's that they feel there's fear. There's Mm. a sense of loss of control over the information. And it's like, oh, my kids suddenly going to be finding out about you know sexual activities and of course I would imagine it's not going to be like that I'm in agreement with all of you in that I think it's a really important thing in terms of mental health and just how I was never taught how to behave with men do you know what I mean I was taught everything else Mm. I knew when the peasants revolt was (laughs) but I didn't know that I could say no to a boy and again I'm so happy for your generation and the one sort of after it because I think they'll know that but I was 17 and I remember I didn't want to have sex with this boy and I said it was my time of the month as we called it in those days and he said oh well I'm glad you told me uh which firstly isn't the most woke reaction (laughs) but what was weird was I confided in a friend who promptly took it viral and I remember him calling me and saying well I've got a bone to pick with you I heard you lied and you said you had your period and actually it turned out and I apologised. Oh my God. And isn't yeah. that fascinating? Yeah. I look back now and I think, God, that was so messed up. Mm. And I hope 17-year-olds today wouldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, it's not messed up because I think we would all be guilty of doing that. Yeah, yeah. I completely Even get where it comes from. Guys, would yeah. you have done that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It was 20 years ago when I yeah. started having sex education. So I just remember putting condoms on these like fake dildo yeah. things. That's yeah. it. They were literally, they must be bought in order to have condoms applied to them because that's basically what they, what they were. Literally all they school. At school, yeah, we are um, very good girls' school, and that's what we did. That's what they we <laughs> made us do. We put them on bananas. That's even more that's outrageous. Like, yeah. Yeah. I did grow up in Jersey, so <laughs> a little bit more. But right. I think even that we had. I mean, I went to school in the eighties, and I remember saying I asked about periods once, and she said, "Don't be so silly." And it was so. <laughs> that was it. I was genuinely interested in medieval times. I said, "What did they do for?" That always fascinates me. Yeah, yeah, yeah me I think too. All women yeah. are interested in. And then I remember asking, and she said, oh, don't be so silly. So I genuinely was interested. She said, I don't know. I suppose they used an old rag or something. <laughs> God. At my school, we were taught all of that by the school nurse as well. How silly. It's, it's treating it like a medical issue, but 50% yeah. of the population of the world have it. It's not a medical thing, is it? For the nurse to be rolled out and explain what a tampon is. It's unreal. Especially this. I don't know. I went to an all-girls Me school. Too, which was, yeah. and She was the sort of matron who would say, I remember saying, I've got a headache. And she went, you're too young to have headaches next. <laughs> so they weren't the best. No, they weren't very warm and comfortable. But no, this, I think this is a good thing. Well, the backlash has been because part of the new curriculum is set to explain LGBTQ relationships. Right. And I don't know to what extent it delves into sex between same-sex couples, but a lot of the backlash has been from religious groups and religious parents who don't necessarily agree with homosexuality and don't want their children to be taught that. I see. The counter-argument for that is that, you know, Britain is supposed to be an open-minded 
is society. But do you see where those parents are coming from? If you've got strong beliefs that it goes against, Astrid? I guess it's a difficult one, isn't it? I remember when I was at school, one girl in the class, her parents opted out for her to watch all the dodgy like all the sex videos. <laughs> and it was not because of any religious reasons or anything like that. I don't know where it came from. Maybe it was from her, actually. I remember she um, ran out of class very tearful one day when we were taught some of the, the things. Because it wasn't to do with religion or anything like that, and, like, nothing you could really put your finger on, I think actually made it worse because yeah. she was kind of like singled out of the mm. class. So I don't know. It's a tricky one, I guess, at the end of the day. It's down to the parents and what mm. they want their children to You understand learn. where it comes from, but I suppose yeah. it's things like, you know, nudes and sexting and all that kind of stuff. I would definitely, if I had kids, and I certainly think that for my sister's children, because she's not around anymore, that's a real issue for me. Mm. Because I sort of think it's a dangerous arena, the internet. You know, they called it the information superhighway when I was growing up. It's like everyone's been given a set of car keys, but they haven't been told how to operate mm. the car. Yeah. So it's like, well, what are the rules? Yeah, know them so and we've always talked about having to protect children from things like that but I think actually the word is we should educate children yeah. on that like bring them into the conversation Definitely. Mm. and if you don't want to have sex with someone you don't have to lie and say <laughs> you've got your period and if he gets angry I think you've maybe dodged a bullet yeah, yeah. he sounds like a bit of a dick yeah. <laughs> well if you do want to know more about the new sex education curriculum coming into schools do check out the piece on our site Fashion Month is officially over and we've been taking cues from the runways for not just fashion but for beauty looks too. There were some pretty out there makeup and hair styles weren't there Becky uh, for Autumn mm. Winter 19 so you wrote a piece on how to wear them in real life yeah. so do you want to talk us through some of them yeah so actually I mean there are always the really theatrical looks on the runway but the past few seasons actually there's been quite a few that I do think you could take from runway to real life I mean my favourite is just really nice accessories that were seen absolutely everywhere and to be honest it's nothing too difficult it's bows it's like pearly hair slides it's something we can all do. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to don a massive pearl earring with the pearl headband, but it's just kind of taking those little things and, you know, making it the everyday. It's just a chic way of wearing it. But one of my favourites, which actually Astrid and I went backstage for, was at Rixo, and they did glitter lashes. And it's funny because it's something you would probably think of, but I'd never thought of before. And it was literally smudging glitter into really clumpy lashes. And it's not something maybe you'd think to do, but it was exciting and it looked really fun. And it was the kind of thing I would love to take on a night out. And I think anybody can do that. And they actually had, for the show, older women on it. And they were absolutely killing it. They had like glitter red lips. And I think it's just about muting it a bit if you don't want it too heavy going. But that was my favourite. And there was a lot of glitter for grown-ups, actually. Glitter is still reigning supreme, massively. So if we want to get the glitter makeup look, where do we go? I mean, you can go anywhere. NYX does some really cheap, affordable pigments, which are nice and loose. They're quite small, so you don't run the risk of it looking, like, overly theatrical. Also, Lime Crime do some really nice wet glitter jellies. But also my favourite is the new Glossier Play glitter jelly. I mean, it is incredible and it's a jelly and it's bouncy. Oh, it's so satisfying. But also because it's jelly, it doesn't slide down your face. So you won't have it all over your skin at 4pm. And I've put all four in. <laughs> 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 we're wearing this for the office. Becky had it on, she put it on the other morning. Yeah. I came in and I was like, wow, you look fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Is it glittery or is it like glowy? It's glittery. It's, it's glitter. like chunks oh, wow. of and different sizes. Yeah. So there's little tiny specks and then like a big chunky one. Yeah. It's, really yeah. Cool. it's kind of oh, just okay. got back from Glastonbury look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. like I think it's very anti-aging because it'll make you look like you're about 20 yeah. <laughs> and also there is one so there was a lot of coloured eyeliner and I actually think that is quite anti-aging because more often than not you can wear really thick black in the rims and that just ends up halfway down your cheek and mm. it can be quite aging so I think anybody can play with pops of colour the Michael Kors smoky eye might be a bit intense but again that's a nighttime look that's that was quite heavy gold. yeah sort of heavy gold smoky eyes but the is that a kind of 70s quite 70s yeah. yeah I mean it's beautiful yeah. but I think you have to sort of go careful with it and also it can look again if you're older like you just forgot a to take your makeup off yeah. for 25 years <laughs> yeah exactly but the colour splashes were one of my favourites and that was just like little wings of coloured liner on the lower lashes or just again little nod to it in areas that just make it look pretty it doesn't need to be really extravagant Emily would you try glitter eye makeup? Do you know, I think I probably would. I mean, I'd probably, again, because I'm in my 40s, so 
I would probably opt for a nod, and I think that's a lot of those beauty yeah. trends. I'll opt for a nod to it. And actually, but Glossier, I've been introduced to by my goddaughter, and I'm obsessed <laughs> by their cream blush. I yes, love it. So nice. So nice. But I love glitter, and I've got a slight glitter on you my have, eyes. Yeah. I, I do incorporate a tiny bit <laughs> of glitter. <laughs> So I'm going to go for the Charlotte approach to glitter. Yeah. That's the first time anyone's ever taken makeup tips from me. <laughs> <laughs> Asha, what about you? Mine's a hair trend. I loved the slides at Chanel. Um, I mean, slides have been around for a few seasons now, but it was just a really sweet kind of like script writing that said Chanel. Yeah. yeah. Just in a really simple... Really delicate. Really delicate cool. half pony at the back. Mm-hmm. So lovely. I love that. The first one that we have on this list was, well, you generously described this as beach babe waves. I would describe that as <laughs> crimped hair that's then been brushed personally <laughs> but I'm not sure about the return of the crimper and that that's is just pretty, me but I love crimped hair like, you that, 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 crimper back in the that day. babyliss S wave yeah. though is actually amazing is it really what yeah it's so hair? good because I used to plait my hair at night like and literally have sort of dreadlocks to get some sleep body in it. to get some body yeah. but this you literally clamp it down your hair in sections and it does create an S in your hair like Ooh. I mean it wouldn't give you that massive frizzy texture but it does create a really nice even beach wave a nice wave cool I am obsessed with it I can't recommend it enough it gives you like Stevie Nicks hair back okay. in Fleetwood Mac so can you get a thicker S shape rather than the you rather know the plait tight. look I just I worry that I look a bit before <laughs> yeah. serum yeah the thing about it is you can sort of choose where you start and you can right. make it so you don't have to do really tight you can keep it loose cool that's the it's a really good tool. Envy hair wave yeah $28.99 yeah if that ever got discontinued I'd be gutted Let's talk about also Becky 30 second beauty hacks every woman should know about. If a long, complicated beauty routine is something you don't have time for, these are the hardworking products and clever tricks that you all need to know for looking gorgeous fast. So I actually really enjoyed writing this piece because I am always the person that is running out the door 10 minutes before my train. And the one I would really swear by is it's you apply your eyeliner to the clamping part of your lash curlers. And when you push it in, it gives you a bit of the liner colour as you go. A makeup artist taught me to do it. And I'm not joking, it really works. And it has actually slightly changed my life. You don't need to apply the eyeliner separately. No. You just do it for the top. So it will like rim your top. So it just gives you that sort of depth. So do you use a liquid eyeliner? Yeah, liquid or just like a wet sort of crayon. Yeah. You know, some are slightly more pigmented and they can run really easily. It's oh, really oh, worth trying. Genius. It just adds depth Seth. along the top and you're like, oh my God. Although I have to say, I don't use an eyelash curler. I don't either, but I have <laughs> now I will. for a night yeah. out. Yeah, you know, when you really ever handy. have your makeup, which I know you girls do, professionally applied, the difference it makes. Oh, such a difference. It's like you've got a facelift. I yeah. look at my eyes. We're obsessed with uh, fake lashes as well. Whenever we get our makeup done, we're like, Me too. throw them on. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. I've got the ultimate fake lash. You know, you get those ones which are, I think I do them, and they're great, but they're yes. just too. Yeah. I find them really difficult to put on yeah. and too fiddly. Whereas doing a whole row of them, Strips, I feel yeah. a bit RuPaul's drag race. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I found these ones, they're called Kiss, and I'm showing the girls here, but do you see they come in oh, yeah, yeah, trios? Yeah. Clever. That you can clever. order them online, though. I bet Amazon have them. Yeah. Yeah, so you can get them on Amazon. Yeah. They're amazing. Astrid, any 30-second beauty hacks that you rely on? Actually, you say you don't know anything about beauty, but you taught me this, Charlotte. <gasps> oh, I know, you're like going to transform into beauty editor. Yeah, um, Becky, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> you taught me to put a little bit of blusher on the bridge of your nose, Ooh. and it just brightens up the face and makes you look a little bit healthy and glowy. I actually put my on the tip of my on nose yeah and I put highlighter on the bridge I think it depends on the shape of your nose because you yes. know you see a lot of especially young girls these days mm. with like ridiculous contouring not everyone's face is the same no. so contouring shouldn't be used in the same way for everyone yeah, so, true. Um, so for me just putting it in the middle just refreshes the face mm. a little I, it definitely makes me look healthier yeah. it gives me mm. like a glow it's yeah. almost like you've been in the sun a little exactly. bit exactly. it yeah. sounds ridiculous putting blush on your nose but well, it's works. meant to be where the sun would naturally hit yeah. your face yeah. mm. you know your temples and your cheeks and your nose yeah. 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 that's where I think when people don't do their nose you can get that slight ragdoll look because yeah. it looks a bit painted yeah. on and yeah, it's exactly. like actually yeah, yeah it's true it's I think natural. it's one of the tips of putting it on your nose if you've got it on your cheeks and everything because it just brings everything 
all together. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of just ties in the wall. While I'm here, can you recommend a good bronzer that looks natural? Yeah, cream or powder? Both, please. The Chanel cream bronzer is incredible. Okay, in a pinky? I think they do several shades, but it's the one I've got's like a light beige, and it's not gel. It's like a it's creamy, it's like but a it's, mousse, ama- isn't it? it's like a mousse. It's so good, but it is expensive. Can you put it on over foundation if it's creamy? Yeah. Right. To be honest, all my makeup is mainly creams. I just think creams is the way to go because it's yeah. long lasting and it doesn't cake. Like yeah. powders just sit on your skin and it just looks creased and. Ooh. Mm. But I definitely think creams are the way forward, and you can put it over top. And it actually, the benefit of layering creams is everything looks a bit shiny. But then for a powder benefits, Hula is incredible. It's one of the best ones. Do you yes. still think, really? Yeah, I've always, I'm always been. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love that. I love Studio 10's bronzer. They actually call it a contour palette. So it's got bronzer, I guess, but it's matte. It's actually got like a grey tone, mm. which I guess is to simulate like that shade look. Mm-hmm. A highlighter and a blusher. For more 30 second beauty tips, do check out Becky's piece on site. And also the beauty spot, Becky's Instagram takeover every Monday which gives great tips and new products. Finally, Emily, we've got to talk about the book. Yes, I'm sorry. If anyone can hear, by the way, my dog Raymond is with me and he's eating a munchie rather noisily. Mm. So. I think he's very quiet. I can't hear him. He's, he's so, so quiet. Quiet. Yeah. quiet. I also he's love that he's got a kind of balayage look going on. He does. He's got ombre he does. in his hair. Well, he comes <laughs> with me to George Northwood, who does my hair. I mean, George Northwood doesn't actually do his hair in fairness. <laughs> I like to think it inspires him. <laughs> so, the book, Everybody Died, So I Got a Dog. Why did you write the book? Actually, it was one of those strange things that... I didn't ever realise I was going to write a book like that, which it is quite an honest book and it's quite from the heart. And it's sad, but I hope funny as well. But I started doing a podcast for The Times called Walking the Dog. And it's in it, I go out with celebrities and I interview them over a dog walk. And I discovered that actually people really open up when you're walking because you're not having eye contact. So you can ask them quite tricky questions like, have you had therapy? And all that sort of stuff. And I do a lot of comedians. I've done Jimmy Carr, Greg Davis, Catherine Ryan, Sarah Millican. Ricky Gervais is on the new one that I've just done. Anyway, I started doing this for the Times and they said, will you write a piece to launch it? This was two years ago. And I think they thought I was going to write a, aren't dogs funny? And a sort of Carrie Bradshaw. I couldn't help but wonder, you know. (laughs) And I didn't because in fact, what had happened to me was that I'd had this really sad thing happen, which was that my sister had died, leaving two, you know, small kids. And then my parents died and it all happened within three years. It was really sudden. So... I always said it was like Game of Thrones. It was like the Red Wedding. It was like the box set of grief Mm. I had. So I wrote this piece for The Times and I was just unprepared for the response that I got. It was just people getting in touch saying, I had a dog that got me through tough times and... It was really lovely and I sort of learned a lesson which was that if you're honest people respond to that Mm. and it's okay to make yourself vulnerable and you can spend your whole life trying to be smart and clever and funny and cool but if you write something from the heart and you say, well, I struggle, I think people respond to it. Anyway, I got offered a book deal. It's kind of the dream scenario. And I did, and I finished it, and it, it came out last week, and I've had such a lovely response, which has been so nice. And I was telling Georgie earlier that what has been incredible is, because I write about the loss of my family and the stuff I did to get through that and how Raymond, this dog, just made me happy again, really. People that have got in touch, you know, I had this guy who said, I'm an ex paratrooper I've been in the military I lost my sister and my mother I've been taught to man up obviously and never talk about it and I felt so overwhelmed reading your book and that just meant so much I thought god this is so worth writing just for that yeah and it's tough you know it was a tough period losing my sister particularly and her girls as well her youngest daughter Alberta was only my sister died a week after her first birthday So she doesn't remember her mum, and we call her Mummy Rachel. And she asks questions. She says, oh, can you tell me about her? And I sort of thought, well, yeah, I hope this will tell her what her mother was like, Mm. you know, so she knows. And her older daughter, Mimi. But, yeah, the dog thing, my sister had a dog called Mr Giggle. And we didn't come from a dog family when we were growing up. My parents were sort of slightly bohemian, crazy actor types. You used dog family, particularly when you were younger, right, as as a little girl, to Mm. kind of describe people. They didn't have to have a dog. It was a family that was stable and routine. So I always described it as, like, I'd go to other friends. I grew up in Highgate in North London. And dog families had 
tea. Children were given tea, whereas we didn't. Me and my sister stayed up for the dinner party and the whole families had breakfast, whereas we had canapes from last night. And my school friends would say, you've got black on your teeth. And I'd say, oh, that was the canapé. <laughs> but it was very much dog families watched Blue Peter and David Attenborough. And at Christmas, they watched It's a Wonderful Life, whereas we watched a black and white French film about adultery. And all I ever wanted was to be in a dog family. I found it so interesting reading it, and without giving too much away, like, it's so clear when you were little about how much you're striving for that normality. And I think anyone will take things away from that book, because actually, I hated the normality that I grew up with. And and to me, your families, and my family are are wonderful, but yours sounded so exotic and fabulous (laughs) and creative and intelligent. And I think the reason that your book is relatable to anybody, whether they've lost somebody or not, is because it's about working through things that are learnt when you're younger. And you talk a lot about what is it the Hoffman method yes. that you ended up doing can you explain a bit about that yeah so I basically I'm really glad you felt that because to me what the book was about it is about not being part of a dog family what I sort of learn at the end is that no one feels right there's a sense that we all have of is that what I should be doing should mm-hmm. I be like that person should I be like that person and you know that was important to me just coming to terms with that sense of otherness or difference that for whatever reason we all feel in our lives it could be your sexuality it could be the way you look it could be your background and I did this thing after my family died I reached a point and I thought okay something's off here I need some rewiring needs going on here I need to knock the house down and start again So I heard about this thing, the Hoffman process. And in fact, celebrities do it. I'd heard about that. Katy Perry apparently did it. And she gives them away as presents to her friends. She really, what, a week there? She gives sessions, wow. yeah, yeah, you, they're retreats and you spend, I mean, nice friend, because it's not cheap, I'm not going to lie. Well, she's Katy Perry. Yeah, yeah. She's and I had read stuff, I know Goldie, the musician, had said it was life-changing, and Tandy Newton called it an MOT for the soul. Mm-hmm. And you have to be sort of ready to do it, and I felt I was, because I had no other choice. And the Hoffman, it's a retreat, it's seven days, in my case it was Ireland, and it's kind of terrifying, because you hand in your laptop, your phone, can't have books nothing and you're with these strangers and you just open up to them it's not really group therapy it's more just sharing but you have to tell your story and you learn really important lessons you learn things like it's really strange you people tell you and this was the really scary thing what their first impressions of you were and it's less to do with you and more to do with them it's about you have a negative reaction to someone so why you say that is you're owning it so if I'd have walked in I think I've had very positive reactions to all of you But I would have to say to you, I had a negative reaction to you because, you know, I responded to you in a certain way. I don't know, you said, oh, there's no coffee, you know, can you get your own or something? I'm sure you wouldn't be that rude. (laughs) But I would still have to take responsibility for that. Or if you were intimidated by somebody or something. Exactly. So that made me feel seven years old. And there was a guy, in fact, that I met on the first day, really handsome. But he had this expensive leisure where he'd had all Emirates first class. The crown prince. Yeah, I call him the crown prince. He's become a really good friend now. And I thought, you arrogant prick. And of course, he put his headphones in. He didn't talk to anyone. He sat there in this expensive leisure room, the Vuitton luggage. And I thought, I hate him. I hate him. (laughs) Of course, it was only by the end of it, I thought, that's not normal to have that violent reaction. And I had to talk to him publicly about this and say, you will become one of my closest friends. Why did I react like that? Because when you put your headphones on, I felt rejected. I felt that you were saying I wasn't good enough to talk to. I felt ignored, I felt abandoned. And then you have to say, what does that remind me of? Oh yeah, my father left. I mean, it sounds really heavy, Mm. but what you don't realise is that every encounter you have, generally you can take it down to something that happened when you were seven. And we call it like a Jenga tower. It topples up and it topples Mm. up and then it goes, wah! (laughs) So it was the most life-changing thing I've ever done. I'm still in touch with all the people, which is lovely. You check in occasionally. And I came out and I suddenly, within three months of coming out, I decided to write a book. I decorated my whole house. I'd got a dog. (laughs) This to-do list I had, suddenly I ticked them all off. And the dog has been amazing. Oh, Charlotte, look at him. (laughs) He's so sweet. (laughs) I don't know if anyone listening to this has experienced loss or come across, you know, even a breakup feels like that sometimes. And when you're down... I think getting up can feel hard. And I always said, when I'd lost my family, I felt like instead of hitting the snooze button, I started the day with a smile when I met him because I'd have this stupid face staring at me, <laughs> making me laugh. And I think he evened out my slight London fashiony brittleness. He made me a bit kinder. Because you walk down the street and people suddenly go, oh, 
Mm. You get the best out of people. It's like having Prozac in your pocket. Just to <laughs> get around London. Well, he is gorgeous. And Emily, the book, I mean, I laughed. I cried a lot. It's so emotional. But, you know, as I say, I think a lot of people can take a lot from it, whether they've experienced loss or not. He's cute. He's very, very cute. <laughs> Thank uh, you, uh, so do check out the book. It's available to buy on Amazon. All good book retailers, I'm sure. And bad ones. And bad, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just buy it. Buy the book. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. I loved it. If I'm not leaving. I'm moving in. <laughs> if you enjoyed that, please do rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. And we'll see you next time. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.